if the breath that was breathed into me is identity, then it's simply not anything I do. It's just who I am. Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, podcasters, if you're like me, you love hosting your show, but get discouraged by the time it takes to produce and market the final product. Turn to Podcast Media Machine, the number one solution for podcast design, production, content creation, and management. Visit podcastmediamachine.com. That's podcastmediamachine.com. Now back to our show. What's up, everybody? I have a repeat, which I am uh, really enjoying doing today. I have with me Sam again. And uh, before that, just so you know, details of the big event are coming through and you really need to get it on your calendar. It's going to be in early June in Montana again. We are upping the game with some of the things we did before, and it will sell out. We're only taking 25 guys. Just 25 guys get to come. It's kind of exclusive. It'll be first come, first serve. So um, be watching all of my channels and make sure if, you, if this is something you want to do, if you want to actually come, get to know some other guys, kind of grow to a next level, uh, get uncomfortable a little bit, which is not a great sales tactic. I know, but trust me, it's worth it. Uh, just be watching. What's up, Sam? How are you doing? Scott, what's going on? Thanks for having me back on. I, I'm doing awesome. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Had, I'm doing great. I had great, I was telling you before, I had great feedback from um, a, an episode with you that just aired. And uh, I'm glad you rescheduled or scheduled for another one. Because, you know, what the listeners don't know is I was like, hey, we got to do this again. Hop back on the schedule. And you did. So you just aired. This probably won't air for another four weeks or so. But... Um, I, apparently what we were talking about hit a lot of uh, a lot of needs or a lot of interest. So I'm glad you're back. I'm really glad. Yeah, man, back. I'm I'm glad to be back. How's life on the on the on the uh, West Coast over there? It, it's wet and rainy and cold, <laughs> um, as expected. But um, but no, life's good. It's busy. We got a lot going on with just just life. You know, we are a a full. Um, a full a, a busy scheduled family just by nature, you know, with a, with the gym business and life We're we're a homeschool family. So th those things on top of just everyday life stuff keeps us pretty, keeps our schedule full, but it's a good thing. And uh, yeah. And it's just, it's the holidays. So things are all that stuff comes Crazy. into play. So yeah. Yeah. But we're good. Yeah. Is your, is your landscape business, do you do stuff in winter or do you have much to do with that anymore? No. Yeah. So we don't. So yeah, we have a, a, it's basically just a, it's my wife's vision and kind of her dream to have a small, or I, I don't even want to put say small or big, but just in an outdoor and event style space for people to come and use. And so it's primarily just in the the on seasons more or less kind of June through August. Sometimes we'll, we'll push it out to September depending on the date, but anyone who's familiar with the Pacific Northwest knows you're, you're taking a big <laughs> risk at that point too. So yeah, so we basically just provide an outdoor space on our, our property. Um, and so to answer your question directly, yes, I'm still involved and that is something, but we're not, we're not doing events or anything right now. And so it's, it's kind of nice um, because it's just during the winter season, yeah. it's 
this is less stuff to have to be tending to. So I appreciate that very much. Yeah, uh, June in on the West Coast is still super dicey. It's like you could you could have a. I had a June birthday growing up on the Pacific Northwest. Like I never knew if I was going to be swimming or I was going to be inside playing <laughs> Nintendo because it was pouring outside. Right. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Right on. So, hey, you know, last time we got into some deep stuff, we talked about, you know, being a father and something that you're really kind of uh, tied into, obviously, due to, you know, your, your business name, but is identity. And this is a, a topic I've tackled plenty of times on this podcast, but quite frankly, it's been maybe a year since I've talked about it and really, really um, kind of dove into it. And I want to hear your origin story. I'm going to tell you mine really quick is in my thirties, you know, I had all my identity in what I did. My identity was tied up in owning a business. My idea identity was tied up in how um, all my friends collected around me because of that business. And then when I decided to shut that business down, I was literally left completely empty. Like I still had my faith, but I, I was really immature in, a lot of ways and it took me years to realize whoa hey scott your identity isn't what you do it's not it's not a business owner it's not the bike shop owner it's not being the bike guy uh because as soon as that's taken away anything that can be taken away in my opinion shouldn't you should not have nothing i your identity can't really be wholly on something that can be taken away from you so that was the yeah. lesson I learned. I think a lot of guys really get like, oh, I'm, I'm a VP or I'm a sales yeah. guy. Well, it, that's what you do. So I'm, I'm really curious to hear why you work so much in this, what, what your history is, and um, so we can kind of dive into this a little bit. Yeah. No, man, it's so good. It's, it's you know, you're talking about how you've, you've had this, you've talked about it in on, on the podcast before, it's been time and. I think what's interesting about many topics, it, 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 and we, we were saying this earlier, is before we were recording, is that identity is such a broad topic, and yet it's at the core of, in some cases, depending how we're viewing our identity, like you mentioned, it's at the forefront of everything we do and who we are, and or when we start to see the the healthy side of what our identity is, it's at the forefront of just being. And that is a challenge, I think, for everyone in general, but especially for us as men, because culturally we've we've become so accustomed to generally what we do. It's just a almost a formal or formality in, in conversation where I say, hey, Scott, you know, so if I didn't know you, say, hey, what do you do? And like, oh, I'm, you know, I do woodwork or I, I'm a tradesman or I, you know, I'm a I'm a lawyer. I'm a, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's not saying this is my identity. It's just a conversation and asking to gain perspective on what it is someone does. But a lot of times as the, the person responding, and I'll use myself as an example, right? Um, we like to say we wear many hats. Well, you know, then if I am a gym owner per se, is that my identity? If I'm a father, is that my identity? If I'm a husband, um, we... <laughs> We, we, we like to kind of joke around because th- these things can get so deep um, that we almost 
uh, it becomes not normal. You know, it's almost we're we're like right. to say we need to normalize it if we if I may say it that way. But in the gym, and you know, this is a small business owner. It, it's it's more than just being a gym owner. There's things behind the scenes that you do, and I think we might have talked about this last time briefly, or um, or not. But it doesn't matter. But we joke around about I'm not a, just a gym owner. I'm also a janitor. And I'm not just a gym owner. I'm, I'm a janitor. And I'm also a, um, you know, financial guy. Um, so I can start to attach as many labels and titles as I would like. Um, my background and nationality is I'm half Irish, half Puerto Rican. So there is a full load of honest, good, healthy joking and some of the groups I'm a part of in regards to, so I always like to say I'm more than just a Puerto Rican gym owner or a Puerto Rican landscaper, um, which is just another one because I do landscape work, I, but I am no professional or expert in any of them as we tend to look at what an expert is. They're just things I put my hand to and learn as I go, but none of them, none of them define me. Um, we didn't do a video last time because I was having connection issues. And so none of the listeners slash viewers will get to enjoy the the unbelievable progress that I've made on my beard since our last podcast. But <laughs> I so someone asked someone asked me the other day, they're like, Oh, you're growing your beard and and I said, Yeah. I said, you know, my, my wife's name is Brooke. I said, Yeah, Brooke said that, you know, hey, you're gonna grow your beard out. And I told her, Yeah, I just assumed you're you're married to a gym owner a janitor, a landscaper, and I figured it'd be nice for you to go out in public and say you're married to a man as well. And so for that reason, I'm growing my beard out, um, which, which is funny as that is, it is amazing how something so simple can start to begin to define someone. And a lot of our identity, we're trying to define by something we do. And as silly as it sounds, you know, some men can't grow beards and fine. Who cares? But yet there's an oddness to something so minuscule that seems like, man, I, sh I, I need to be able to grow a beard because it makes me feel more masculine and manly. This is the second time in my life I've grown my beard out to this extent. Um, and so it's, it's not something I do for anything other than maybe avoiding having to shave as much. Um, it's kind of nice. I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. I don't have to put a razor to my face every day. Um, but not to get so far off on something so not unmeaningful, because there's a lot there, people really think about it, because it's that easy, I think, for us to lose who we are, and the simplicity of something we're doing. And the word being is hard to define in the sense of identity, maybe for some, it's like, well, I just be I don't do and that gets tricky, because we're meant to to build. We're meant to use our hands. We're meant to create. We're meant to produce. We're meant to do all these things. And yet, none of them truly define who we are. Um, I was thinking about this a little bit, assuming we were going to talk about identity today. Um, and something that is so foundational in this is, and I like to consider myself a little bit of a word nerd. I like to take words and break them down and figure out what is maybe a deeper, more rooted meaning other than how we articulate or understand it in the English language. And so 
the word identity in the Greek, when you break it down, and I'm going to butcher the name and how to say it. So I think it's suke, but that's, don't, don't quote me on that. But either way, you can look it up if you really want to know. But in the definition and breakdown, there's a part in there that says that it is equal to, and it says the breath of God, the vital breath of God is what identity means. Hmm. And I started to think about that. And, and, and maybe you're not somebody who reads the Bible or who necessarily cares or believes in God. And, but either way, it's that, that's not relevant to the fact that that's just the definition. And it means it's the very breath in which he breathed, per se, into making us, right? Because that's what, if you read the old historical text known as the Bible, that's, that's, the, that's the beginning of the story is the creation. And in that story, it's talking about how he made us. And how he did that, and it says that he breathed into the nostrils of the man, and he breathed life into him. And yet identity has a correlation to the breath that was breathed inside of us. And so this is no, hey, this is a theological breakdown, matter of fact thing. It's my kind of revelatory moment, per se, of something I can draw back on foundationally. And I'm bringing this into the into the conversation because... Hopefully, it will provide context for everything else we may talk about moving forward in regards to identity. And the foundation is that if if the breath that was breathed into me is the is is identity, then it's simply not anything I do. It's just who I am by just being. Mm. Right now, he, I have skills, I have other things, desires, whatever that may allow me to go and produce. But they still don't define or um, wh- what or who, or I'd say, what my identity is. Um, and so that that's important to anyone who's listening, maybe, or watching this, is that know from what's deep inside of my heart where I'm talking from is that. That is the foundation that draws me back to what is my identity. And it's simply just the, the air in my lungs. It's what was breathed inside of us to be able to just be here even, right? It's not what I do or what I did or anything other than that. And that is tough. It's tough to want to just look at it from that perspective because it almost feels unfulfilling. It doesn't almost feel right to sit here and think I don't have to do anything. I just be. And that's not, again, saying to do nothing. It's letting you know that there's nothing you need to do specific in order to prove or um, walk out a false identity, as we like to call it sometimes, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little, it's hard to grasp, right? Yeah. It's really hard to grasp. So I almost go to the opposite side of it, not the opposite side, but I kind of work backwards. Like, what can't be taken from me? And I know I mentioned that before. Well, my being can't be taken from me unless my life is taken and then I believe in, you know, in afterlife. So I don't even believe that can be taken from me. But um, why I hang my hat on that so much is because if I walk into a room full of really successful people and I'm hanging my hat on my, my identity is what I do, who I'm married to. You know how many kids I have. It, all of that differs in where you're, where you feel confident 
in your level of those compared to the other people in the room? Are you going to a homeschooling thing where, you know, a right of, or you can puff your chest up because you have eight kids as opposed to four? Or are you going to, you know, a, a charity ball where you, could pu- you, you, you don't feel like you belong in the room if you're not making eight figures? Like, those are the things you, like, I feel like as soon as I learned to remove those, then I realized, wow, I am, I have so much to offer for people because of who I am not in what I do. It's who I am. And I can walk into a room full of confidence and, and maybe not, maybe confidence isn't the right word, but there's no fear. There's no uh, self judgment, which is something I was afflicted with, with for a long time. I'd walk into a room and like, if I, it was only as successful as that guy, if, and I only had people that liked me as much as that guy, like that completely went away. Yeah. Once I like really stepped back and was like, wait a minute, like what I do, how much I make, all the, how I look, all those things have nothing to do whether people are going to accept me or not. They're going to accept me for who I am, not what I do, how I look. And that's the freedom I've reached. So I have to work on it backwards because that, that theological more, I don't know if it's spiritual, like construct is so incredibly true, Uh, but it it can be hard to kind of wrap my mind around it. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Yeah. It's not an, it's not an easy concept necessarily. Um, and to your point of working backwards, it's a great kind of way to do it because in being, it just, it, it comes down to just you, it's just who you are mm-hmm. and that's the uniqueness and, and the, in the identity, let's right our identity, right. We use things like fingerprints, right. That's such a common, um, format to help explain this, right. There's a uniqueness to all of our identity in that no one has the same exact thumbprint, right? Or finger, whatever it is. But that's because we're so unique. And so it's not what we do to your point. It's, it's just who we are. And that is so vital because whether I produce and yes, I mean, absolutely. I mean, if there are any homeschool families listening, just know there's, we have four, we have four kids, three of them in homeschool. And so we, <laughs> we are, if, if that's how we're measuring, we're, we're very much in the medium. Um, there's some big homeschool families that in our, in our community. Um, but when I say big, when I say big, I mean, they have more than four children. Um, so yeah, th- thank God that's not how it measures up and, and I'm not lost in my identity because that, that's, that right there helps me realize that's, nope, that's not my identity. It's not having more children. Right. Pre- you know, thank God. Um, but, but no, it's, it, it's so true what you're saying. And, and yet culture is, it's just a big part in every facet of any community I've ever been in. I've seen that pull, that draw to want to... It, I'll put it this way. I, I like you, you know, you go into a room and I have to, you someone start to ask you what you do and you think, oh, can I just say the most minimum thing? I mean, it does it really matter. And yet something will start to draw us into this idea that it matters and, and not to say it yeah. doesn't matter, but it's not what defines us. Right. And if we used better um, measuring tools, maybe to help realize, right. Because you could be a, you know, you, you are doing many things in the creative space. And, but if that's what I'm measuring you by, I'm actually doing two disservices, one to you personally, but one to myself, because I'm not even 
I'm not even just looking at you almost humanly. It's like I'm measuring you by the things you're doing instead of just saying, man, this is just just a man who has a unique look, gift, talent, and what what he's doing with it isn't the thing that defines him. It's just who he is. I think I, I like I like this idea of we've I assume most people have experienced this at least once in their life. And it's being in a room where there's general conversation and commotion going on. And when someone walks in the room, it, they don't say anything or do anything. And yet somehow they draw and or command attention. And it's not the obvious person necessarily. It's not the person you expect is going to draw the attention. Because if we know someone who's coming and we, we've painted a picture with a title and status and they're, you know, this is the CEO of XYZ company. And so, yeah, there's kind of anticipation and yes, it makes sense. Or a wedding does that same effect, right? It's custom mm -hmm. generally to draw all attention to the bride when she walks down. And I, I didn't come up with this concept, but I remember when someone said it once, hey, the next time you go to a wedding, stand up, be respectful, honor the bride, of course, but direct your attention to the groom. Watch the groom in that moment and see what you get out of it versus because normally we're watching it from that perspective. And the reason I'm saying that is because it commands attention, but the bride is the bride, but that's not her identity, right? That she is someone who we probably don't necessarily always know. And the groom isn't just the groom. He's someone. And, and the reason I'm saying watch the groom is because for most weddings I've been to, and I've done that, it's an amazing experience to watch where this man is probably at his most, I don't want to say most, but still, he's at a, a pivotal point in his life where there's genuine humility hitting him at, wow, this is my, mm -hmm. you know, essentially going to be my wife. She's stunning. But when you're watching the bride, you miss all that. And there's something to him. But if you just see that's the groom, you know, I don't know. Him and his buddies joke around. I don't. And I start to, you know, he's a, this is what he does for work. And, and I'm almost not seeing his being in that. But when you watch the emotional right. connection that happens, you're like, that is a human being who is in a raw state that makes me feel more connected to him and realize that's just his, that's just his identity. Um more than what it is he does. And so I think often to kind of your point of going through the, you know, being in places and spaces where we're constantly, even when we're trying our hardest not to, we're almost measuring. We're almost always looking or even when we're trying to not look, we're hearing. And when we don't want to hear the options are I close my eyes and plug my ears. Well, that's not, you know, very humane. Um, but yet, so I have to know myself. Right. And that's what I, I kind of getting from what you're saying is no one can take my being and to know myself is to know where my value lies. And it's not in what I do, although there's great value in that. It's not the defining value. And I think that's the thing about identity amongst. Again, we were saying before we started, there's so many lanes and roots, let's just say, that stem off of identity. But it. Again, I think foundationally, whether I'm saying it from the whole breadth of life side of things or from the it's my being, it's who I am, um, 
those are the things, like you said, Scott, I think, well, is they can't be taken from me, but my, my job or position can, you know, even my, you know, this is what I, I I'm going to bring this up for a second, but you know, I, I say this is that I, I believe that divorce exists. I come from a divorced family as a child, but I say, I believe in divorce, but I don't believe in it for me. And, and what I'm saying by that and why I'm saying that is I'm mm-hmm. about to make this same statement is my wife is someone, whether through circumstance or just life, can be taken from me. So my wife isn't my identity. I, I can't let myself get wrapped up in that. My children aren't my identity. But we do, of course, not the audience, not, not, not the listeners, not the viewers, just me. Um, but we live behind our kids or our wives or in what we're doing. And it's like, wait a minute. And this, um, here's a great example of that. Because I, I, I want to try to give examples of real life moments where I'm like, wait a minute, I have a, a soon to be 13 year old son. He is a gifted, phenomenal soccer player. He plays the game well, but he understands it even better. It's, it's, I don't want to say he's an anomaly by any stretch. There's a lot of life left for him to see what direction he's going to go and where that takes him. But he does things for his age that he should not yet be doing. And it's fun and enjoyable to watch. What is one of the hardest things as a dad is watching, believe it or not, other men on our team live vicariously through him as if that were their son. And I'm in this constant battle of these things don't define him. They don't define me. How, How good he's playing on the field has nothing to do with my quality of parenting. If you think I'm like the world's best parent, excuse me, you are, you know, egregiously deceived. And it's just something that is his identity. I'm like, he has a gift that I did not give him. And I never played soccer growing up. And, but yet I'm using it as an example of how quick I could use that as something to kind of live behind and then walk in this false identity of I'm a amazing soccer dad and an awesome coach. And yeah, of course my kid plays soccer amazingly. Didn't you know I'm a gym owner? Of course, my soccer, you know, my kid plays soccer and he's fast and strong because I train him. And none of those things are true, but I can live there in my brain and put that identity on or false identity or misleading identity to get people to think I'm doing things I'm not even doing instead of speaking from just a place of, you know, maybe genuine honesty, which is just to take a deep breath and say, hey, let me be honest with you. I, I don't teach him anything. I, I just kick the ball with them and encourage them to have fun. That That is the extent. And I'm sorry if I'm letting you down. But when we can do that, it's freeing. We get to then walk in our true self. And I don't have to do anything or prove or grandize or make up a false narrative to then potentially impress someone beyond where I think they, in order for acceptance. And, and that's a, took me forever to get there. But identity, I think, can often be driven by acceptance because deep inside we want to be accepted. And so we begin to put on the the false identity. It's so true. It's so true. There's so much to unwrap in things that you wrote. I had this uh, this really morbid it wasn't really a morbid thought but it was just something that came into my mind you know my wife and boys were all going somewhere together in the car and it was like wow one car crash and that could all be gone for me one 
or I could be driving them and I live in, a, in an accident and none of them do. And I just really challenge people to think, don't think morbidly, but to think about some of those things because it's a reality. It could happen and it's horrible and it's horrifying, but your life doesn't end, right? Like I tell my wife all the time, if I pass away super early and you find another man, I want you to be happy. That's all. And I have to think that way so that I can relinquish all of those things that I think define me and define yeah. my wife and define my kids. And it's a horrible, it's a, it's, it's a depressing way to think, but I do think it's an important practice. You, you also dove into the, the dads living vicariously through that one, you know, in this case, your son. Yeah. It, that is one of the most disgusting things I, I see. And, and this is going to upset some guys in here. It's the it's the parents that li- are literally living through their child's performance or living their perceived best life through them. And what I've seen over and over and over and over again, as soon as that child has some autonomy, they're done. They're like, they're done. And then and then we have this whole identity crisis within the family. We have you know rebellion. So I would like I just like to take this opportunity to say it again, like let it go. Like if your kid's a phenom and they're playing baseball and you're traveling all over the world following around, great. But don't tie any of your identity or any of your value with your child's performance. Like be careful because what you're doing is you're trying tying a unrealistic expectation and a string to them that is a it's a it's a binding chain. Like they're on, they're literally on a ball and chain and you're the ball and they cannot get away from it. And if they try to break away from it, it's going to cause distension in the family. It's going to cause all sorts of issues, probably going to cause rebellion. I'm not saying this every time, but I'm telling you, I've seen it too many times and I'm telling you it's destructive. Yeah, no. And yeah, it's such a great point. And and it, sorry, I moved my computer. As, As hard as that may be for us as men and or dads who have, you know, sons and daughters and sports and they are good of course we want the best for them of course we want to see them be successful the thing that i challenge myself and i will challenge anyone who's listening or watching is is that to what degree because and, and you said it a different way but it's at some point the the opportunities are endless but our coaches and or other parents who aren't considering my son's identity gonna form him that way right and so Mm -hmm. if all i'm considering is how he makes me look or how he may look make the team look or how he can change the outcome of wins and losses right um there's nothing wrong with wanting to be competitive there's nothing wrong with wanting to win and be successful and all those things but if i both as a parent and or coach am doing it in a way that could potentially cause damage to a child. And when I say damage, I mean to cause them to think that this is the thing that defines them, is their performance. That is the dangerous part. And, you know, we we tell people all the time, well, to say all the time is not accurate, but when it presents itself, I like to remind parents of athletes that at this stage in the game, I keep it as simple as this. 
have fun, be a team player, listen to your coaches, be respectful, and um, always think of character over talent. And because I care about his character and who he is at the core more than I do the talent that he has, that even then is just God-given. And do I am I saying he doesn't work hard and he doesn't put in the work? No. But still, it's the character of the person, right, that I'm most concerned about. And even then, he is going to grow up to be a an eventual husband and father. And if his identity is wrapped up in his performance as a youth in high school and collegiate athlete, potentially, right, their possibility exists, then as a husband and or father, he's going to walk in that false identity, right? And he's going to expect that then his future wife and children respect him for those things and for his performance instead of just who he is. And, and that is um, that to me is scary and dangerous at some time. And that's not to get down that route, but I mean, that's a whole portal in itself that paints a great picture of what it's like to have identity crisis and all of these mm -hmm. potential young athletes and, and absolutely identity in that subject matter is a huge part of my heart that, you know, and, and you can't always get to the athlete, but if I can get to the parent to encourage them, think about these things. I'm not a statistician when it comes to, you know, youth to high school to collegiate level playing, but the percentages are so, so, so low. And it's amazing what we're willing to forego to hope that our kid gets there. I'm not saying it's wrong to desire that or to encourage them if they have the ability. But, and I may be wrong, and here's the thing, I'm willing to be 100% wrong at preserving the character and the identity of my son. And here's what I'm willing to be wrong about. I'm willing to be wrong that the chances that my son, and I don't mean this with a speaking negatively over him, that he's going to go on and play collegiately and make it to a pro level in the specific sport of soccer is very, very low percentages. So to put that kind of pressure on him now as a, at the age he is, and I'm not saying don't have dreams and paint vision and speak life. I'm saying I don't want to put so much unintended pressure on him that his identity becomes something it's not. And I'm, I'm a just firm believer that if he has the talent and the drive and the desire and everything that comes with that, by the time he's in high school, the people who are the pros who can look at an athlete and know they got it or not, they'll be there. I don't have to be yeah. trying to put him in some special league. And I'm not against that. If you do that, I think it's amazing. It brings lots of perspective and experience for athletes, but I'm in it for that more. These are opportunities for my son to recognize his identity isn't what he does. It's just who he is. And I can, I'll, I'll share this one story that maybe if you're in this situation as a parent or you're coaching your children, I remember for a couple years in a row, we'd have parents come up to us and, and I'm not, this is not a pedestal moment and it's just my son. Um, but we'd have parents come up to us constantly telling us you have to put him in the next level, right? Like we're just in a rec league. He needs to be at the select level. He needs to, 
And I get the concept that when you play with higher level players, it pulls the best out of them. I get that concept 100%. But I also know that there comes the risk and the potential for all the other things. And that's where as a parent, I'm trusting that the best decision to not shield him and protect him from all the things in the world that he's going to have to learn and grow through. But right now, he's going to be 13. I want to make sure his identity, to the best of my ability, stays intact the best I can. And after a couple years of my son just being him, not even really fully realizing how naturally of a player he is and the things he does that people look at us like, how in the world does he do that? I'm like, I, man, I wish I could tell you. Um, he's just talented and he loves the sport. Um, but he doesn't recognize it the way people see it. But after a couple of years, the head ref inside of the organizational soccer group we play in came to me and started to tell me. And I said, hold on. I said, I appreciate you telling me this, but I want you to tell my son because what this ref was saying wasn't about his the goals he made and the scoring because this this is a ref the head ref in the organizational club we're in so this person sees a ton of players they've been doing it for like 15 years um, they were older than I was which means they've seen a lot and they said and I said tell him what you're going to tell me and so they said hey I want you to know I've never seen a player as talented as you be so unselfish and play the way you do and treat your teammates and pass the ball and all the things. And, and I was like, no one has given him, you know, outside of us as parents, but someone from the outside to recognize that was is pivotal because that spoke more to his identity than all the other yeah. things. Um, and that's the being part, because what he does on the field is one thing, but how he is in his being on the uh, on the field is what that ref was knowing, noticing. And I said, yeah, you s please speak to that, um, because any parent, I think, genuinely, as much as we may want to see our children go to the next level, really want that. I, I want them to be known for their character, not necessarily for their goals. And we all know we've seen it. We've seen Many of professionals in many different avenues of sports or other professions who are amazing and I'm not taking anything away from them. It is astonishing what they do. And yet we're appalled by just the character and, and, and just the things that they do because they probably ultimately um, they know what they're good at, but they don't know who they are. And, and that is tough. And so that is a long little drive off into the sports world, but identity is such a great example in that arena because it's, it's easy to attach ourselves to the performance side of it and, and it steals our identity and, and we don't intend for it to happen. But as a parent or if you're a coach out there, uh, maybe consider that as much as I want to see him be successful and all, I, I don't want it to, to, I don't want to do it at the rate of compromising his, his true identity, which is him just being him enjoying, laughing, playing hard, you know, all those things. Yeah, that's really, really good. I think a lot of people need to hear that. They really need to hear it. They really need to sit in it and really evaluate, like, wh what am I doing? Am I making the right decisions? And sure, it might be a good move for your son to go up in a higher level league, 
but it's got to be for the right reasons. And yeah, and 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 I there's just so much beauty in the, the conversation you had. I was thinking about um, kind of taking this in a different direction. A parent that does have a superstar, parents that have a superstar, and their identity now is completely on that kid, like dialed in, right? Like that we're going to do everything we can to give them every single edge. And that's just the plight of a parent. They just want to do yeah. that. We want the best for what's our kid, what our kid is. But even if they make it, I see over and over and over again, even if the kid makes it, the, those parents were so focused on that thing that they lost their own identities and they have, they divorce, they leave each other mm. because they have, they do, uh, when the kid's gone, they don't have that anymore. They're not, you know, and this goes way into more issues and more, more conversations, but it's such a dangerous, dangerous road. Um, It's just, it's, it's, it's very dangerous. So I think the question that I would kind of come to you with is, you know, how do, how do misplaced identities, how do we change that? So if, you know, if there's somebody listening to this going, well, thanks, thanks. Now I know that I've really screwed up. I've, you know, holy cow, I, I thought I was a parent of a superstar or I thought I was a, you know, um, a, a marketing genius. You're telling me I'm not. No, I'm telling you, you probably you, you could be those things, but that's not your identity. What yeah. does someone like that do? Yeah, that, 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 my friend, is an incredible question. And there's not one answer to that for sure. Um, I wish there was just a book like I could say, yeah, you go get this book called Misplaced Identity and everything in there you need to know is in there. But I, I think that it just you had mentioned you had said it a little bit ago. It's just taking the time to think about it, not just what we're saying, maybe because maybe exactly what we're saying is resonating in a sense, but not in a direct sense. So figure out where in my life have I maybe, whether it's just my own self, right? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at what I do as my identity or in the example of sports or having kids who are just talented or they're in those next level um, atmospheres or arenas. And so now you're living this life that's all of your identity of, as far as your family is centered around this idea, just as an example. Take time to look at it and do it. You have to self-evaluate and probably find people around you who've been through it and done it and who can maybe offer some, um, not the answer, but at least advice from a perspective of having lived it out. And they can tell you some pros and cons. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't work. And it's not to say here's so if it worked to do it or if it didn't work, don't do it. It's just to let you know, here's some potential pitfalls that if we would have known, we would have avoided. And because it's 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 way easier to talk about this stuff, in my opinion, than it ever is to walk it out and live it out without being enticed or pulled into it. Um, you know, and, and, and again, it's like, well, is this all just kind of semantics? I mean, gee, Sam, you still haven't really answered the question. And, and, and the reason why is because I don't think you can directly answer that question. And in another sense, I'm answering the question by suggesting some things we can do. Um, Now, is that going to solve the problem or be the answer? We don't know necessarily until we at least attempt it. Or I think a lot of it comes down to having a hard conversation. 
of am I imposing something on my kids or on myself because of a false perception of what I think will give or give me acceptance. And so therefore that's what I identify with. So if I put it that way, I didn't say the word identity, mm. but my level of acceptance is where I'm focusing because it's how people identify with me. And I don't mind if people identify with me as a gym owner, but if that's the thing that is why they're accepting me, then they're not accepting me for just me and who I am without any of that. And that matters a lot. And it matters the other way too, right? If I'm just wanting to be in proximity or close to someone because of their status, then I'm identifying with what they do or how they perform and not even who they are. Here's a really good example. I have a really um, close friend who is in proximity with some professional athletes. And it's fascinating to talk to him. And he spent some time, um, and I don't know that he continues, continues to do this in, in a fashion, but there was a piece of him, and I resonate with this a lot because identity fit um, and what I'm aspiring to do fits into this category. And you could say it's a mental health thing, but he was talking about the professional athletes he knows. He said they are so... Um, I, I can't fully relate, but he was describing that as a professional athlete, how people perceive their identity is 100% what they do. And most all of us don't have a clue who these professional athletes truly are. And we've actually, maybe unintendedly, I have, only identified with them as the athlete. And of course, they're in the spotlight, and so that's how we're familiar with them. But when I start to understand the value of just who we are and just being, like Scott mentioned, I can start to see these athletes and realize, well, geez, they're, wait, they're also fathers. They're also husbands. They're also sons and brothers and cousins and nephews and uncles and, you know, our aunts and nieces and daughters. So, but the thing that my buddy was telling me was, is that they, he said, the one thing I consistently hear, he also works with high-end um, artists in the music world, you know, people in Tennessee and whatnot. But he said the one thing that they wish the most is that people would just treat them like a human being. And they constantly have to walk in a way that people want them to be. And it's almost like we don't even want to know them for who they are because we enjoy what they do too much for our own entertainment which in and of itself is a whole nother topic. But as it pertains to identity, that is horrific. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to just play on someone's performance for my entertainment and not have the, the know-how or the sense to realize these are people. And so that's where it starts to shift. And I realize, wow, the identity of who this person is is very unique. And, and I want to get to know who they are well beyond what they do. Because that will start to speak way more true to who they are than in anything they do. And yet, I think when it comes to performance as we understand it and people who are high performers or big tech moguls or successful business people on whatever level, 
we begin to identify more with what they do. And then we have this odd sense to want to see them do more for our own entertainment. And we will not always, I'm using this as an example from a perspective I've had is I will then be willing to compromise their identity for what they're possibly going to do next and not even get to know or assume anything else about them. And that's, no one wants that. I, I don't genuinely believe anyone would want that in their life. It's almost like getting married. You know, it's like marrying my wife. And so she's a wife. Therefore, these are the things she does. And that's how I identify with her. Right. But to intimately want to get to know her, well, hold on. That's a, I, why would I do that? I mean, I actually would rather just live in the space of, well, wow, she's really good at this. I wonder if I got her to do a little bit better how that would serve me for my own entertainment. Like that's, that's sounds amazing. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's asinine, right? No one would do that, but yet right. that's how we treat people's identity so often. That's how I have treated people's identity so often. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if that makes, if that makes sense. It does. And this is so, so timely. Last night, my son and I, I had to return something to the store. So we actually went to the mall, my older son. And where he's like, hey, let's just walk around. We had no agenda. He's like, let's just walk around. And of course, if my son says, hey, let's just spend time together, I'm like, whatever, you're 18. I'm going to spend every moment I can. Yeah. And um, there's this long line, long line. And it's going around. It's in the mall. It's really long. And then it goes around the corner. And I'm like, what the heck? And <laughs> everyone's wearing Dallas Stars, which is the hockey team. And I'm like, oh, there's probably a, like a signing thing. And this is really interesting. This is really timely with this conversation because we turn around the, he's and he's just like, whatever, who cares? Like, he's like, this is dumb. People wait in line to get a signature that means nothing. It, they, that that yeah. person doesn't know them. He's making this connection. He, does, he doesn't know them. Why does that have any significance? He really challenged me on this. I said, well, if I had a chance to get like a Harrison Ford signed um, Star Wars card and I didn't see him sign it, I would still want it. He's like, but why? I'm like, well, because it's worth money. He's like, that has nothing to do with who it is. It was re this is really interesting because he was getting to the core of identity. He's like, yeah. why, why, why does that matter? Why does having a signature matter? And I'm like sitting here going, well, uh, you know. And then we go to this line, and he's completely indifferent. He could care less. And I'm like, look at all these people. They're wearing these jerseys. They have all these things to sign. Their entire focus is on this person. And I walk by, and I see him at a table. I have no clue who he is. And there's people in line and there's a security guard. And I'm like, that poor guy, he has to sit there and pretend to be super nice to a bunch of people he doesn't know. And all they care about is his performance. And is that really where you want to be? I mean, it's, he's got great opportunities. Don't get me wrong. That guy's making you know good money. He probably loves what he does. But really, wouldn't that be miserable to have people – uh, you know, hundreds of people deep waiting to just look at you and talk to you about super superficial things. Um, and I just, I think it's a, an example of our, of our society in the way that that identity has really gone wrong. I admire people and I would love to meet, I'd love to meet Joe Rogan. I would love to meet, uh, you know, Bono. I would love to meet these people that, you know, I've, I've watched for a long time, but when you listen to them talk, they're like, it sucks. It sucks. Nobody, yeah. like you said, nobody cares about me. They care about me as a podcaster. They care about me as a singer. 
And it's, it's a horrible life. It's a horrible. And so like, I've had this conversation, like if I ever see, if I ever run into Joe Rogan when I'm in Austin or whatever, I'm don't know what I'm going to do. I might just smile and walk, walk away because I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> but yeah. I, it's just really interesting that you brought these up because I was thinking on a deeper level about being that guy who's I, everybody is tying that identity to him. And it probably isn't have anything to do with who he is. Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, and yet it, it does. It's just not the, it's not the, it's not the only thing, right? It's a part of their life, but it's not right. like who they are. Right. And I think, I think when you talk about when, when we're, when we're thinking about professionals, like in the realm of sports or, you know, actors and things like that, you know, when we get there, it's like two things are happening. I, th- I think, well, a thousand things are probably happening, but couple of things that are happening is one, I'm thinking, what, what formidable question could I ask that isn't one that's been asked a million times to this person? And they're probably thinking, and again, this is all speculation, but they're probably thinking, okay, I'm just going to go through the motions, do what I got to do. I did just come out here to go grab a coffee, but now I got to, you know, because we've painted this picture and I, I like to imagine the idea of asking questions try to find the question that you think no one's asked. And you know what? We think, okay, we think too hard about it. And I think if you keep it simple, right, it's easy to look at someone and say, oh, and, and, and if I know them, right, if I know them from the perspective of this is what they do, this should be a lot easier to ask a question about something not in relationship to what they do. And example, I, I run into a pro athlete and I could ask them, you know, hey, man, I saw the game. You hit that. You know, it's something that's so like common instead of saying, hey, don't you have two younger kids between five and seven? Like, what do you guys do for Halloween? Yeah, I, again, you know, that, that's not a common question, but I think at least it cuts more to the core of reality because it, it tells it does a lot of things. There's a lot to this. Right. It's it's showing that you care beyond what they do. Like, I, I genuinely want to know who you right. are beyond this. Um, and I'm not saying that's always easy or that it presents itself. And a lot of times these, these professionals that we're talking about, just the environment and the settings normally not, you know, applicable because it's just they're one thing to the next sometimes. But when it does present itself and for the example, and I can apply this exact same thing to anybody in my life. It doesn't have to be a pro athlete. That just happens to be the vein we've gone down for the moment to help kind of paint this picture. But it could be with a relative, right? Who like, oh, that's my uncle Joe. He's, you know, he does this and he's, and I'm describing all of the things he does. But when somebody asks you the question, well, does he X, Y, Z? And you're like, you know what? I don't know. That's a good question. Well, the reason you don't know is because you've already formulated a picture or how you're identifying with him is just by what he does. And we've got to get past what we do, not because it's not important and that we throw it out. It's that there's so much more to who we are than what we do. And I like to use personal examples. I, I can create Let's play this game. I will create a baseline of who I am based on the things I've done. And it can seem so like, whoa, 
that's awesome, right? But it doesn't tell you who I am, right? So I can say things like, you know, I am a former two-time combat veteran in the Marine Corps, honorably discharged with the Purple Heart, who has two degrees, who's a business owner, and right? And it's like, whoa, that sounds really awesome. But I'll be honest, those are just things in the journey of life that, you know, I, I, I chose and learned from and many experiences, but none of them define me. None of them are who I am. And if somebody wanted to take time to get to know me instead of just looking at the things I've done, right, and only have an interest in that, which is not wrong or bad, but common, they would get so much more. Mm. And that takes time and intention, and that's its own subject. But we've got to do better to not ourselves identify with the things I've done. That's not my identity. And we've got to do a better job of not looking at what others have done and identify with that only. Because as you said in the beginning is, it's, it's just, it's our being. It's who we are. And that might not be enough for someone who's listening or watching, but just know that your existence, right? Be encouraged by this. Your existence alone is enough and you matter and your unique DNA. And, and of course, it's just more than those kind of broad brushstroke perspectives. And you, we get into the details, but, right, and you start to break it down. It's, it's the things that we have desires for and what really makes us, you know, want to get up and do, Right. And I'm not, when I realize I'm not doing it because I want to be accepted and I'm doing it because something inside me is driven to be able to bring or impact other people around me, <coughs> excuse me, that changes the whole thing, right? And we, I think as a society, have to do better at having conversations that go beyond what we do. And because that takes intentionality and time. It's easy to kind of forego and we're treating relationships and or people like a book signing. And when we can move past that, we're going to start to see the beauty of who people are well beyond what they do. Now, does that mean we can't affirm and edify one another in the things we do? No, absolutely do that. But don't only do that without a willingness to go beyond and let people know, man, what you do is amazing, but who you are is what matters, right? And who you are doesn't have anything to do with what you do. And that's, you know, there's a big distinction in that. Yeah, 369 days ago, my really good friend uh, took his life. And a lot of what you just said really kind of resonates because I think perhaps a lot of identity was wrapped in performance and meeting standards and all these things. Now there was a lot of other things to unravel there. A lot of things, PTSD and, and, you know, relational things and things were going on, but had he been, maybe had he been seen a little bit more for who he was, his being other than what people um, identified him as was their support, you know, person. 
and which is kind of like his identity. He was there for everybody. He was that yeah. guy. And when he didn't feel like he could be there for him, even himself, how can he serve other people? There's no, there's no use being alive. Yeah. And, um, that's, that's the level of importance this conversation is. I, this, this could be, and, and even to the point like where I have thought if my wife and kids were taken from me, you know, they, for some reason they lost, you know, they all lost their life or something. How could I live? How, how could I in good conscience even go on? How could I even have a productive, fruitful life after that? And that's the type of thinking I want to, I want to bring this full circle that yeah. really challenges you to really think about who you are, you know? So, um, man, this stuff is, it's deep, but we've got to have these conversations because it literally could be life-saving. It, this could literally yeah. be life-saving for people. Well, and yeah. I, I don't know, you know, it's so funny. We have these experiences and perspectives and, and I will find, catch myself saying something and go back and then I'll reassess it and think, is that fair to say? Is that healthy enough to say? Because you, you, you made it, you said this is a deep conversation, right? And the reason why we, and I'm not saying this is why you said it, but I think often why we say that is it feels deep because we don't often get in this water. But when we do, Mm. I believe that it's not necessarily deep. And I like to paint this picture because I say, you know, it's not deep because it only takes, I think, three to five inches of water for a baby to drown. <laughs> and so right. it's just that we have got to learn to step into the water to begin with. But a lot of times there's apprehension and fear and there's things there's reasons behind it as to the why we won't but when we do we realize oh <laughs> i can i can stand up this is only like knee deep yeah like awesome like and it doesn't mean it's easier but at least you know you're not going to drown and you're going to be fine and then when you realize that you have this overwhelming sense of like almost peace and assurance that everything's going to be okay and when we can do that yeah like you're saying, to have the conversation, it changes everything. And the thought I'm having to, to maybe kind of, I don't know, wrap this up is, is I, I think a lot of this is driven by our perspective of what will make me feel accepted. And so I think this could be a good mm -hmm. take home for, for myself and for anyone listening or watching is that how do I know if my identity or Better yet, how do I know if I'm potentially walking in a false identity or I am potentially looking at someone's identity through a, the wrong filter? And I think that, that both of those scenarios can be bridged with the gap or the gap can be bridged by the word acceptance. And so for myself personally, if I'm doing something solely because I want to feel accepted, and I'm not saying wanting to be accepted is wrong. But if I'm doing it out of a sense of this is what's going to get me acceptance, so that's why I'm going to do it. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying personally self-reflect, look at that and say, wait a minute, is that who I am or is just who I am enough? And whether I do or I don't, that shouldn't be what that shouldn't be why people do or don't accept me. And if that's the motivation, ask yourself, hey, do I need to do it? Probably not. And Maybe fine. And then you're going to realize people are looking at you from the other scenario, right? 
This is when I'm maybe looking at someone and I'm accepting them for what they're doing. And if I'm accepting them for what they do or their accomplishments without a willingness to maybe see them for who they really are beyond those things, I also then got to realize, wait a minute, my reason for accepting them is off. And so the word acceptance just jumps kind of to the forefront of this conversation of, are we being driven in our false identities and narratives by the idea that this is what will make us feel or get us acceptance? And in the reality, well, maybe not for everybody, because we're all in different journeys and boats, but just, I, I believe it's a lie. And just know that it's, you're accepted no matter what. And if no one's telling you that and you're not hearing it, or we're in a tight space or we, or we're, we're getting too much affirmation. And so it's almost like an addiction to keep doing because at least I'm accepted. Um, then, then just, you know what, that's, it's not worth compromising that. And it doesn't mean stop doing. It yeah. means just don't let your doing be the thing that defines your identity just because of your accept, you're getting acceptance. Because I, I guarantee there's way more people in our lives that we don't know or realize because we don't have these conversations who accept us for who we are. And, and, and not to say they don't could care less about what we do, but that's not the thing that matters most. And they genuinely accept us for who we are and are willing to get in those, you know, proverbial bathtubs of water that are only four inches deep and have a conversation and remind us that this is who you are. And there's no need to feel like you're drowning in life trying to do so much to get acceptance because your identity has nothing to do with that. Um, and when we can do that, right. uh, I think it starts to change our perspectives and we have a healthier nar narrative to go with and realize, wait, who I am is just being, just be present, just be available, just listen, just these things matter. Um, ask the professional in your life the next time you see them what they did for Halloween. I, I guarantee that's not a question someone asked who was maybe starstruck. Yeah, right. Um, you know, right. And, but and, and, and don't, don't, don't use that example in a disgenuine way, by the way. Um, be genuine, but use that example to maybe yeah. think of something that's actually um, not surfacey. But uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get you. I think this is a really awesome place to leave people thinking because there's actually, you know, action and things they could think on and move towards. And, and I just hope that all the listeners are really contemplating. They're really thinking through and, and assessing what they do, how they act, you know, why they do what they're doing for, uh, the, to reflect on their true identity. Um, so yeah, man, uh, thanks, Sam. I really appreciate it, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Scott, I, you know, you are welcome. And I, I appreciate the privilege and the opportunity just to speak out thoughts and have conversation and just to, to be a part of what you're doing in this sense. And, you know, I, I, I hope that it, you know, if it can impact one and, you know, I always say it's worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. And no doubt somebody's thinking, having listened to this, we put them in a new line of thinking. And I hope they do because this having the wrong line of thinking was really destructive for me personally for years, you know, and, and I'm sure you've struggled with it at times as well. So absolutely, I just want to relieve 
yeah, I want to relieve some of that for people who are entering or in the midst of it. Like, hey, uh, slap you across the face with some truth and let you let it sink in and grow from it. Uh, hey, guys, like we're going to wrap this up. But if you um, want to be able to get in touch with Sam, all of his information will be in the show notes. And um, I encourage you to do that. Thanks again, Sam, for coming on. Absolutely. You're welcome, Scott. Appreciate it. Appreciate you and all you're doing. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.